in today's show. We're looking at the Dallas Mavericks and their fantasy basketball value for the upcoming season, Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. All right, let's talk Dallas. Before we do that, if you aren't aware, Warnie, actually, what should we do? Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> Locked on Fantasy Basketball Bowl. We are filling up so many applications for every division, so I apologize if you don't get the um, email straight away. Keep trying. There are only 12 spots for category leagues for each division. And 12 for points leagues, obviously, we're getting way, way more, way more category league applications. So if you are like on the fan side, you want to play category, you want to play points, or you just want to get in, throw a points application in as well, because there is a much greater chance of getting into that league, um, probably at like 75, 25 in terms of where the applications are heading. If you don't know what it is, it's a giant fantasy basketball tournament. 360 teams in the category league, 360 in the points league, um, and it all culminates in a one-week 60-team free-for-all contest to see who the overall champion is. All the rules are linked in the description of the show notes of the podcast and in the video down below, and you can find that out. The way to enter is emailing lofbbowl at gmail.com. Don't email yet. That is where you email. In the subject line, this is the Mavericks show. So write Mavs. And then if you want to be in a category league, write Mavs Cats. If you want to be in a points league, you write Mavs Points. And then later in the show, I will ask a specific question that you need to throw the answer to in the body of the email. Throw whatever other information. You know, people are throwing photos of their pets and videos of kids singing and they're throwing jokes in there and they're telling me about their favorite fantasy player from the 2005 season. They're telling me about how good the Bulldogs are. They're whatever. They're random things. Put whatever you want in there and if it makes me laugh, hey, maybe that increases your chances of getting in. Who knows? All right. So that's that. That's the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl. Rule, read the rules. Send the email when you get the information later on in this show. But we are here now to talk about the old Dallas Mavericks. Pretty strong schedule quality game-wise. 55 quality games. You see the teams with the marketable stars like Luka Doncic. They get more quality games. They're on the more of the primetime nights in the NBA. So that helps when you're looking at fringe players um, more streaming ability because they're playing on those lower volume days. They have 13 back-to-backs, which is smack bang on average. Not that there's many guys you need to worry too much about for that on this team. Their playoff schedule is very different though. If you end on March 19th, they have nine games in a playoff schedule, a 3-3-3 week. It's not that bad. I'd much rather have a 3-3-3 than a 4-2-3. Nice even numbers. The two-game weeks are what kill it. If you end on March 26th, they have 10 games. It's a 3-3-4. And if you end on the default Yahoo, which is April 2nd, they have 11 games, really strong. 3-4-4. So again, 
As we say with every league, know your settings, know your league. When does your league finish? Nine games is not great for that March 19th end. It's not a killer. It's not a disaster. It doesn't mean I'm avoiding players. I'm never avoiding players based on playoff schedule in a standard league. In a um, draft-only best ball format, you do have to pay some attention to that because you can't make you can't maneuver to get around those discrepancies. But in standard sort of formats, I wouldn't worry huge amounts about that sort of stuff. It's not something that would really impact me uh, to a great degree. But what does impact things with this Dallas team? Is Christian Wood starting? Everything would tell us he isn't. Jason Kidd told us he isn't. Tim Cato reported that he isn't. There'll be plenty of people who are watching this and go, what are you talking about, Josh? Christian Wood, he's definitely starting. He's his second best player. He's 100% starting. It's all bullshit. Uh, Maybe. But we have heard it multiple times that he's not. What does not starting mean? I think that puts a cap on his upside. I think if you're not starting, it's hard to play 34 minutes. He might cap at 30, 31. If he is starting, then the 34 minutes are really interesting. And his value does increase a lot. Is he their second best player? I guess, do you, do you value points? Do you value defense and wing defense? So that might be Dorian Finney-Smith. Do you value shooting? It might be Reggie Bullock. Do you value secondary creation? It might be Spencer Dinwiddie. I don't think it's as clear cut as to say Christian Wood's their best, second best player because he scored some good points on the Rockets and gave no effort at times and was an uh, off-court issue. So he's no guarantee to start. They didn't give up huge amounts to get him. He's not paid a huge amount. He's in a contract year. They're going to have to start him because he's going to get upset. Oh, well, he doesn't have that sort of gravitas that he has to be played because he's in a contract year. Again, contract years are bullshit. I mean, they're a real thing in terms of players do have the last year of their contract, but it doesn't increase a player's performance. Which Dinwiddie do we get? Do we get the one that sucked in Washington? Or do we get the one that played really well in Dallas? Who did taper off a bit towards the end, but had a hot start in Dallas. That were two almost completely different players. And yes, it is a different scheme, but Dinwiddie is also in a different role this year. Last season, he was the third guy behind Brunson and Doncic. Now he's the second guy, the second ball handler, who will start, won't come off the bench like he had that ability early on. He will push to more minutes. But how does it look? Because it was bad when he was doing that in Washington. And then in a 27-minute a night or so role in Dallas, it worked well. So that's that's you know, important because if he's rolling and he's playing well, obviously it impacts his projection, but it means that guys like Josh Green and Timmy Hardaway Jr. and even maybe yeah, Jaden Hardy, their potential for more minutes gets reduced. But if he struggles and he's playing 26, 27 minutes, then Nila is in the mix and, and Green and Hardy and these guys might have to play. That does have an impact. And then, of course, Lucas shooting. I saw Matt Smith tweet this out yesterday or two days ago. I don't know when it was, saying the notion that you have to punt field goals and free throws with Luca is trash, and I agree with him. You don't have to. The people who rigidly and militaristically adhere to nine-cat rankings, while well, Luca was actually 30th in nine-cat rankings, that is the absolute number one reason why I tell you not to look at rankings with turnovers, but why you should not rely solely on ranking numbers. Because there is no circumstance that Luka Doncic is a third-round player. He just is not. And while at times he struggles with his free throw percentage and his field goal percentage, we're not talking Andre Drummond. We're not talking Fred Van Vliet field goal percentage. We're talking not great. 
The volume's b- bad on his free throws. That that impacts him. But it is recoverable from. Luca is a guy that, if you want to take, again, people say, oh, yeah, he looked 29th last year, not, not drafting him first round. Um, yeah, if you punt turnovers, he was 12th. Yeah, that's all fine. But you can work around so many of these things. There can be improvement. He's a top five guy. I feel pretty confident in saying that. If you strictly, rigidly adhere to a ranking number, it leads you astray quite a bit, I, I believe. Luca to me, top three points guy. Probably top, you know, I think I had him six in my head-to-head rankings. I'm a bit worried about the constant ankle sprains. That, that worries me a little bit. Um, but at five in a head-to-head league, at six in a roto league, seven in a roto league, because that is, it is a little bit harder to deal with some of those deficiencies. But that's where he is. He's not 12th. He's not 15th. He's not 30th. He's not 25th. None of that's real. But what if he actually shoots well? What if he's an average shooter? 47 and, and 80 from the line. Well, then that is maybe the number two ranked player. Because again, I actually haven't said this for a while. The percentages are multi-influencers. And what do I mean by that? Well, you improve, improve your field goal percentage. That helps that category. It also means you score more. If you go five of 10, that's 50% shooting. That's 10 points. Say they're all two pointers. You go six of 10, that's 60% shooting. He also hit an extra bucket. That's 12 points. Helps two categories. Free throw percentage, the same. The more free throws you hit, the higher percentage, the more you score. So you improve your percentages. If he does, then his scoring goes up as well. And that is an extra boost to his value. So that's something that, you know, again, I'll happy, happily take him top five, top six. But if he actually shoots better, then there's a lot more value in what he does because you don't have to then try and deal with some of the deficiency in his game. Um, we'll get on to talking about some breakout guys in a second. Before I do that, though, Bet Online. It is your continued source for all your football information, whether that's week two of the NFL, which is coming up really soon, college football, games are done for today, but you can check them out for next week. All that information is there. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news and podcasts, including all those week two NFL games. The Dallas Cowboys without Dak Prescott. What's the bloke's name? Cooper Rush? Sounds like a fake name. They are seven-point underdogs against the Cincinnati Bengals with a total of 41.5 over at BetOnline. You can check all of that scores, live betting as well, esports, and more. So for the fastest and easiest way to check those those favorite sports and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf, BetOnline.net is it. Head to the website today, use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline is where the game starts. Thanks for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen. Now make Locked On NBA your second listen, because Locked On NBA and BetOnline the odds makers there have teamed up to present the top 50 most valuable players in the NBA that move the betting lines. Find out who it is on Locked on NBA, wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Breakout candidates. These are guys that I think have an opportunity that we talk about them in a different realm next season. And one of those is the crucifix, Christian Wood. Now, I just went on and told you that he's not that good. He's not the guy that you automatically just assign to be the number two player, but he could be. In the past, he has been a useful shooter, a solid offensive player with passable defense. He also did not care at all in Houston, and that impacted what he did. He could very easily... 20 and 10 is probably going too far. 18 and 8, 
1.5 blocks, two threes. Maybe he gets his free throws back on track because they've been trashed for a while. Don't know why, because he used to be good. But he's got real opportunity to break out. And the other one who has a chance is Josh Green. Reggie Bullock, Dorian Finney-Smith, probably going to hold down a lot of the minutes at the three. And then behind them, there's not much. Green shows some defensive ability. He shows some passing ability. The shooting is really a worry, though. But there is an opportunity heading into year three for Green to stake a larger part, a claim to a larger part of the rotation and be able to go in there and hopefully do a little bit more for his team, for his teammates, and produce a little bit more for us fantasy-wise. I don't think he's going to be a great fantasy guy by any means, Joshy Green. Um, but there is an opportunity in year three to stake a regular rotation role to be a better option for this season coming up. Josh Green, here's your answer for the entry into the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl. Josh Green averaged 11.42 fantasy points last season in Yahoo. So the question is, how many points did Josh Green average in Yahoo? Last season, 11.42 fantasy points per game. Josh Green, fantasy points per game. That is what we're talking about for entry into the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl. Mavericks categories in the subject, Mavericks points in the subject, and then drop that Josh Green question later on. Let's look at some sleeper options. It's a bit empty. It's not much there, is there? I think Reggie Block is ranked at... Well, not I think. He is ADP. He does have an AD... Let me rephrase. He's ranked 244th on ESPN. He was 264th in category leagues last season. But that was with like two to three months of horrendous... Like shooting... Honestly, there was a stretch he was shooting like 17% from the, from three. And he's a 40% three-point guy. He keeps that up, and then you start getting two and a half, three put threes a game, 12 points a game. And that's got more use than that. I don't think he's a 12-team league guy, but he's a top 200 guy probably. And you got a little bit of value there. Now, he's not doesn't even have an ADP on Yahoo. He's got 157 on Fantrax. It's maybe too high. But that 244 and the unranked on Yahoo stands out. Now, Spencer Dinwiddie, he has some struggles in category leagues. He can be at times bad from the field and from the line. Incredibly low rebounds, steals, and blocks. Not always the highest volume three-point guy. He's more of a points and assists player. But in a points league, you score a lot, it's great. He's ranked, or his ADP is 125 on Yahoo, 127 on Fantrax, and 112 on Yahoo. Oh, sorry, on ESPN. And for a category league, totally fine. For a points league, yeah, he was 103rd in 30 minutes. He's cracking the top 100 this year. I feel really confident about saying that. So that's 30 spots of value in a lot of these formats. Like if you wanted to take Dinwiddie in the 80s in a Yahoo Points League, have at it. There's so much value there. Whereas in a category league, that's why it's important to know what we're dealing with in each league. In a category league, it's probably about bang on because he's got a lot of deficiencies. But again, if you are just desperate for assists and you don't care that he's getting no rebounds or steals, you might take him at 95. Oh, well, who cares? doesn't matter. Get what you need. Don't be swayed by rankings and that too much. Or even like the ranking on a site versus how you rank a player based on the value of all eight categories or nine categories. In the end, it doesn't actually mean that much when you're trying to strengthen certain areas. So be aware of that with Dinwiddie. Now this one I'm not sure about. Fantasy busts. I've got Christian Wood here. But it could very easily not be. So he is, but he is ranked at an area where I feel like it's almost ceiling value. He's at 50, ADP of 55 on Yahoo, 65 on Fantrax, 55 on ESPN. 
Wood was 83rd last season in 31 minutes a night. Now, if they just say you are actually starting or we are playing you 35 minutes of the bench, then this actually is fine. But what if he plays 29 minutes and averages 14 and 7 and still has the free throw percentage issues? I, I struggle to look at Christian Wood and go, how does he beat that number? Does he become top 40? I'd, I'd like to be able to, if I'm picking someone here at in round five, which is what most of these draft spots would indicate, I'd like to be able to say, well, I can, yeah, third round's possible. At least fourth round. I look at that and go, wow, a lot has to go right for him to get here. For him to return this value, a lot has to happen. And that's why, look, a bust doesn't mean you don't draft him. It doesn't mean you avoid him altogether. It just means, yeah, I'm not sure. That feels a bit high. I'd rather if he's, look, Fantrax 165 is all right. I don't mind that one. But if he slid to 68 to 72, then I go, yeah, okay, I'm in. Let's go. Let's see what happens. 55 is like, you're right there. You're, you're at the top of where you can go almost. And it's probably not a great way to draft, especially if you're doing it continually with players. Like if you're taking Wood at 55 or Shangun at 52 or Vassal at 50, they can all get there. But you've just taken away all their value, I think. So you have one of those guys maybe, but just be wary of doing it all the time. Let's talk some upside flyer guys. These are guys who should be available in your last round who might be worth looking at. Tim Hardaway Jr. was bad last season. Broke his foot, ended his year. He still played 30 minutes a night. He hit 209th ranked player in category leagues. 135th in points leagues, Timmy was. Now, I think they'll be a little bit cautious with his playing time. But he could play 30. He could play more than 30. He shot horribly last season. What if he shoots 44% instead of, I think, he shot 39 last season? Like This is a guy that in the past has had a role. They paid him a good contract, a lot, too much, some would say, most would say. They lost Jalen Brunson. Maybe he just slides into Brunson's 30-minute-a-night role, a role which, by the way, he had before Brunson took it off him. What if he is the starter then? Instead of Dinwiddie, I think it's Dinwiddie. But what if he starts and all plays 31 bench minutes, scores 17 points, hits three threes, has four rebounds, three assists? At the moment, Tim Hardaway's ADP is 141 on Yahoo, 157 on Fantrax, 139 ESPN. That's last round guy. There is... Now, Hardaway has had some good fantasy seasons in the past. I'm not suggesting at age 30, coming off a broken foot and a bad shooting season before the broken foot, that he's going to get back to that level necessarily. But there's upside in it. Like he had a top 100 season, yeah, that's five years ago. But he's had multiple 15, 16 point scoring seasons. 15, 16 points in your last round of a draft, it's really, you don't really find it anywhere else. So that has some value. The other one is JaVale McGee. ADP is 138, Yahoo 126, Fantrax 139, ESPN getting close to last round. They, we look at him as a center now, paying him three years to be the starting center at age 35. He's actually insane. It's ridiculous. It makes no sense. But JaVale McGee, in 16 minutes a night last year, was the top 170 player in categories. He's not as good in points leagues. What if he plays 22 minutes a night as the starter? 120th best player? 110th? 105th? 10 and 8, 2 blocks, 65%, 62%, 61%. Not a horrendous free throw shooter. In the last round, I need boards, I need blocks, I need field goal percentage. 
Yeah, why not? Now, he might start for five games and get benched for Christian Wood and play 17 minutes. And then their rotation, as we'll see in a minute, it's about five centers coming off the bench. So that's a bit iffy. But it's a last round. What if it works? What if he does play 24 minutes? And I know that we oh, you can't play that many minutes, Josh. He's got this asthma problem. 24 minutes is fine. He can play 24 minutes. He probably won't. But what we're looking for is a little bit of upside in that last round when there's a bit of scarcity at that position. And McGee's got a little bit of that there, I think. I think. Let's look at the roster. We talked Doncic already. He's in shape. He's playing Eurobasket. Or he played there out. He played Eurobasket. 29-9-9 possible for him. Imagine he does what Donovan Mitchell did last season and take his steals at one a game to 1.5. That's top three. Yeah, what if he shoots 47 and 77? It's not It's not unrealistic. What if he averages 30 points? This is a top five guy, top six guy. He's ranked ninth on Yahoo with an ADP of five. Ninth is insane to me. I don't know why you would do it. ESPN's got him at three, totally fine. I wouldn't pick him at two. I wouldn't personally pick him at three. But if you wanted to take him over Durant or Embiid or Harden, along with Giannis and Jokic, they're the guys I have in my top six. I just wouldn't take him ahead of Giannis or Jokic. The others make make the argument. No, no problem at all. Dinwiddie, as I said, really good points league guy. Top 100 guy, maybe top 80 player. Category league, not so sure. 154th last season in 30 minutes a night. Probably does get a little bit more usage and a little bit more ball handling and maybe a few more minutes. But that can also lead to issues with more volume means bigger negative impact in field goal percentage. He's never going to be a steals or blocks guy. He's an atrocious rebounder and he's not a good three-point shooter in terms of volume. And that all impacts him. But if you need points and assists, yeah, go higher. Go in round 11. Go round 10 if you want to get that player. Bullock, I talked about already. And there's Dorian Finney-Smith, who you'll see, you're drafting, you're in the draft, and he sits there at the top of a queue in round 12, and you go, all right, maybe. And you get swayed by the fact that he doesn't turn the ball over, so in nine cat, that's so valuable, right? It's not that valuable. His upside is extremely low, in my opinion. I think there was somewhere I saw had him ranked 50. I think Yahoo's rank, not their X rank, their rank based on their projections, which don't include rookies, so I don't know how they're real. It's got him 57th. Now, that's insane. It's clearly insane. You would never draft him there. But the lack of turnovers pushes him up that high. Don't do it. If you're in a 14-team league, he's really good as a 10th round player. But in a 12-team league, I wouldn't take him as my last pick because I don't think there's any upside there. I think he's a really good player. He occasionally has these games where he shoots really well. And he is a great three streamer. And again, we say don't over-prioritize threes early. Because you can find them. You can find two. There's two guys, three guys on this team who might hit over two threes per game who are waiver wire players. Bullock, Hardaway, and Finney Smith. Throw in maybe Davis Bertans as well. And you're just finding threes everywhere off the waiver wire. That's why threes are a weird fantasy category these days because everyone's hitting them. They're a weird category. Talked about Wood. Muxy Kleber, who I do really like as a blocks and threes guy. It's just going to be hard to get minutes with McGee and Wood there. And then Powell coming off the bench as well. Kleber is a pretty good player, but he's just not going to have the opportunity to have an impact as we would like. Tim Hardaway, I talked about, like him as a last round pick. He might not be a top 200 player. I don't know. His minutes are going to be one that we have to watch and see if he can get that shooting back. Dwight Powell's going to go from a starter to being maybe out of the rotation with Wood, McGee, Kleber, probably all ahead of him. And then you've got Green, 
Bertans. I think Green gets an every night rotation spot. Just as a wing defender, it's really valuable to have that. Maybe a steel streamer. There's Bertans. There's Jaden Hardy, who there is an opportunity for Hardy. Behind um, Green and Hardaway off the bench, there's shot creation and guard play needed. I don't think he's going to be up for it, but let's watch him in summer league. Nilakin is another guy that can throw out there if Green's not getting it done or if Hardy's not ready as a wing defender. He's not really a point guard anymore, Frank. He's more of a wing guy, and he's not someone who's going to put up fantasy numbers. And there's Tyler Dorsey, who people are excited about. He put up some. He's put up really good numbers playing for Greece in Eurobasket. He's looked really good. The time we have seen him in the NBA, though, he has been, what, the opposite of good? Like, he's really struggled. He hasn't really done much at all. And he's a two-way player for this team. I think he can get into games, and he might play 10 minutes a night. Again, there is a little bit of a lack of guard depth on this squad. But I've seen Tyler Dorsey play in the NBA. Now he's matured, he's improved, he's 26 now. I don't think we see big stuff from him. But maybe you're in a deeper league, you want to pay a little bit of attention to to Tyler Dorsey. I don't really think you do. But his, you know, his play over the summer has definitely opened a few more eyes onto him. And that might be able to get him into the discussions of rotation minutes. And there's Theo Pinson, legendary cheerleader, who occasionally can put up some good assist numbers as a third string point guard. Also, shout out to Dorian Finney-Smith and Reggie Bullock calling themselves the Bang Bros. It's funny on just so many levels. And a shout out those guys for being uh, funny. And that will do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. Thumb it up. Drop your comments down below. We're done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.